Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 35 of the New Slang Podcast. I'm Thomas Mooney, the editor-in-chief of New Slang here in Lubbock, Texas. And yeah, we're back after a, I guess a brief hiatus from the the podcast world. Um, like I said before, this is episode number 35, and it is with Evan Felker of Turnpike Troubadours. They just released a new record today called A Long Way From Your Heart. And as you can imagine, this podcast is a conversation about that said record. Um, I also just recently released a a piece about the record on Wide Open Country. It's a track-by-track listener's guide, kind of like helping um, maybe connect the dots on on how songs are maybe connected or like where they fit in Turnpike's world. Uh, It's been shared a whole lot online, and I really appreciate that already but uh i just feel like turnpike's world of like their version of oklahoma is um well for for, i guess for starters it's really based in reality but also like they uh their canon of characters and their world that they've created is so real and rich with detail and i i find it just um amazing you know so uh yeah anyways that's what that article's about. Go and find it. Um, I'm not going to take too much time right here on this little intro, but um, if you don't follow us on or follow me on Twitter or Instagram or social media, you can do so. Just look for underscore new slang. Um, we do also have t-shirts in. They're the Panhandle shirt. Uh, you can find those on, or you can find photos, I guess, on Instagram and on uh just social media stuff. If you want to order one of those, get a hold of us. It's fairly easy to do. Just, I don't know, reply to us. They're these uh, red or black panhandle shirts. So, yeah, um, I don't know if there's anything else I can really add to this little intro other than go buy Trumpike's new record, A Long Way From Your Heart. Um, go get it on vinyl or on CD or digital download, whatever your preference and um, yeah, here's this conversation that me and Evan had about a week ago. We need to get a beer. Loosen up. I'm fine. Good. Yeah. Okay. Need cool. too. All right. Well. Uh, you got a new record coming out in one week now. I do. I do. Um, it's been a long time coming. We, uh, I guess we finished it up in April. So we've been sitting around on it, you know, waiting. It's going through various stages of uh, mixing and mastering and artwork mm-hmm. and, and so on and so forth. And then just sitting around. So we're ready for it to be out. It's just a, it's nerve-wracking. Yeah. You know? But- between records, this is like y'all's quickest turnaround. Yeah, we've pretty done much. pretty well every other year. Uh, mm-hmm. The only one we waited three years on, which I caught a lot of flack for, was kind of funny. <laughs> the only one we actually waited, went three years, was uh, in between Normal Street and uh, uh, and the last record. Yeah. So everything else has been every other year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I... I, I remember actually seeing some people yeah. talk about and I guess like since y'all added uh, 
two old songs on there. Yeah. Like, that's cheating or something, yeah. basically, which is kind of Yeah, those but. songs needed to be re-recorded, though. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it, the, that first attempt at a record was just not really indicative of what our band is now. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So, uh, last time we did the, a podcast, you, it was like, um, like maybe one or two weeks after y'all had written Old Time Feeling. And yeah. And well, I think, yeah, maybe, um, maybe was, a few months, but yeah, it was, it was just now getting to where it was playable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I take it like everything else on the record has been written, was written since then. Yeah. Like what, yeah. uh, what was uh, the writing process? Like where, where did these? It was frantic mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and, uh, nerve wracking in its way. Um, we got up to, you know, right around record time and we had, I had put together three or four songs, mm-hmm. including Old Time Feeling, which actually I didn't, you know, wasn't even sure we were going to record at the time. And, uh, and it wound up, it wound up making the cut. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I wasn't even planning on recording that one and just, it just came out nice. Yeah. Well, you know, obviously Johnny had put it on his record too. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, I that's think, kind of always a, a deterrent, right? If, uh, if someone's recorded it before you. Yeah, I do yeah, think he it's cool like, though. He, um, mm. yeah, I think it's cool too. But yeah, he snuck it in there on the very, very end. He he got in like another day and, and went and recorded a, an acoustic version of it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> now, like, let's what's what's the breakdown on the record as far as like where where did these songs come from as far as uh, you or like RC? Where, what's the Kind of the, 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 the credit, I had a hand in all of them. RC had a hand in two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnny Burke also had a hand in those two. And then uh, Jamie Wilson uh, co-wrote one, and Fulbright co-wrote one. I wrote the rest of myself. Yeah. Yeah. So. What's the one with Jamie? What's uh, uh, it's Oklahoma Stars. Okay. Yeah. Or Stars in Oklahoma. I can't remember the how we titled it. Now I'd have to look <laughs> at the record. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then what, what did Fulbright do? What did you... Uh, he and I wrote Pay No Rent. Pay No Rent, yeah, okay. And uh, That one right there is filled with the idioms. Yeah, There's yeah. a lot of good ones in there. Yeah, that's uh, a funny thing. A, a mutual friend of ours, actually, uh, my, you know, grew up with her being my aunt, um, Lou Johnson, who owns the Rocky Road Tavern in uh, Okima, mm-hmm. had, uh, had, had passed away. Um, and... She was my buddy that, you know, just a, a really neat character who'd done a lot of, a lot of stuff, and we'd, we'd drink together and, and visit and fish together and stuff. She was, she was, in, she was probably 72 and could, could out-drink most grown men. <laughs> and uh, anyway, uh, like I said, we got to be buddies once I moved to Okima, and, uh, and we hung out a, a lot. We played dominoes. She was a... She was a um, a Nazi about the domino table, like she was serious about, you know, you better, you better know what the hell you're doing, or else you're gonna, you're gonna get in trouble. And yeah. uh, you know, that's mainly a, a lot of that songs about being her moon partner. But uh, um, back to the the story, she'd always said she'd known that she was, you know, sick for about a year, a year and a half. There, she'd on and off uh, had cancer and uh, and gone into remission and this and that, get to feeling better and. Mm-hmm. And so she had it on her mind, um, and she always said, "You know, you, if, if I if I die, you know, you got to play Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain at my funeral." And yeah, you know, you know how it is, you know, just late night talk. 
Well, we got the news, um, and she'd been in you know bad health for for a while there, and was was pretty down. So, anyway, we got in the, the news when I got back off the road, and Fulbright came over to my house, and we just went and goofed around and went actually went squirrel hunting uh, hilariously, um, and just uh, kind of went and goofed around at my mom and dad's place and visited, and, and then we got back got together that that night and worked up blue i was crying in the rain yeah and uh and i had to go out on a run that day and then uh that next day and uh i got back and got the news that uh everybody was doing blue i was crying in the rain because she'd gotten drunk with everybody that was playing at the funeral and told them to play it too and so like i said well i don't want to you know i don't want to break any eggs right now i'm just you know let everybody do whatever and i said you know but i was kind of perturbed because we had a very you know special relationship and and uh it was an honest request you know and yeah. I said, well i'll do one better we'll write one and so i i started on one kind of out of spot um and we finished i had to actually run sound at the funeral for i got volunteered for that somehow small town living um so we had to set up sound johnny met me down there and it took us hours to get all this stuff right i'm not a sound guy yeah. i hadn't done this stuff in forever and uh <laughs> and you don't want it to sound like shit. It's at a funeral for somebody you love, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, we get it set up so everybody can play, get all the inputs and all that. And uh, and we have, it winds up being one or two in the morning before we even get to actually work on the song that we'd started that day at noon. Yeah. And we hadn't sat down together. And so we just got in there and fleshed it out and uh, had it playable by the next day at, at, at noon. Yeah. And uh, we stayed up all, almost all night working on it. Yeah. And... Yeah, I, I'm really proud of that one that came out. Yeah, that Ful, one, Fulbright's a just a great, great writer and a great, great writing partner and a great melody man. Is he like a great guy to just to bounce off the ideas? Yeah, too? yeah, just real? absolutely. I try not to too much. Cause I get stingy with them, you know, because mm-hmm. I don't have that many good ideas. Every, you know, you know, only so many a year, right? So <laughs> I figure if you're doing everything right, you get a, a certain amount a year. And, uh, but yeah, I like walking in a room and looking, you know, starting something from scratch there. Yeah. I think, uh, <clears throat> you've had a, a few songs where you mentioned dominoes and I always think yeah. it sets a scene. Yeah. It kind of is very, uh, sort of, it's a very turnpike. Yeah. Bucolic, uh, Oklahoma, you know, mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. I know Small like town thing. my grandma always talked about playing dominoes mm-hmm. with her family and one of my uncles, one of my great uncles, was just always that. Yeah, that was kind of their parties. Like the the older generation of my family, they didn't, you know, they didn't drink, mm-hmm. and none of them did. And uh, anyway, uh, they'd get together and smoke cigarettes and drink coffee all night and yeah. play that or like Rook or yeah, some kind of like pitch or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then the next generation all drank, so they carried on the the games and then added booze to it. Yeah. Booze and dominoes. <laughs> it's pretty fun. Pretty yeah. Fun stuff. Do y'all play dominoes ever? Uh, we do sometimes. RC's really good at straight dominoes. Uh, he'll he'll hurt your feelings. And then uh, and then yeah, I'll play with my, like my bird hunting buddies and my family yeah. back home and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But if everybody doesn't know how to play, you know, play like Moon or Forty Two. If everybody's not really pretty quick on it, it's not very not very fun. It takes a takes yeah. a while for everybody to catch on. Yeah, well, <clears throat> what sucks is whenever there's that one person you're trying to teach them, and they're just, like, blocking the board up, basically. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Like, and it's okay. 
you know, that's okay. I mean, you got to teach people at some point in time, but it, it's it's best to not do it in a high pressure environment. You yeah. know, <laughs> <laughs> don't ever want to learn in public. Yeah. Um, now, uh, Sunday morning paper. Yeah. I was reading actually, I think it was like the Odessa paper or the Midland paper, something like that. You were talking about that song mm-hmm. about your uncle, right? Yeah, my uncle Irv Felker, Irvin Felker, um, who had, uh, he played in a bunch of rock bands. He's still playing around. He's mm-hmm. worth looking up. Um, and uh, anyway, he was a, a Marine uh, that retired. He's the guy, he, he was who I wrote Blue Star about. And uh, and we're, we're pals. And he had this that line, Sunday morning paper said, rock and roll is surely dead. Um, that he'd written back in the nineties about like maybe Cobain or one of those guys, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I, uh, I always thought it was pretty and I thought about trying to make a country song out of that line. And I wrote the rest of the lyrics and then, and the melody, mm-hmm. he, uh, he contributed that, that yeah. line. Is that a lot about like, uh, it's like kind of about Russell Leon or? and, and, and Merle and, yeah. you know, not too specifically, but, but yeah, kind of an homage to that, that generation of, of country. Yeah, music and and how you know how great and influential those folks were that we lost this past year. Yeah, they're all catching up. Right yeah, now. yeah. I think that's what <clears throat> what I've told people is that if they made it out of their their heyday, mm-hmm. made it past. Obviously, they're getting up there in age. Mm-hmm. And it's just um, old age now. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know, you just got to take the good with the bad, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's uh, like Tom Petty died the other mm-hmm. the other day, and that one I felt like that came out of nowhere. I mean, I I'm, obviously I'm not. Yeah, uh, he was he wasn't that old. Mm-hmm. I think he was like sixty sixty six, I believe, something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, I don't know. That one just came out of left field. I felt. Yeah, least. it was a bad. It was a bad one. Mm-hmm. You never want to hear that about anybody, but that, someone that yeah. young and that in, influential that. Just got so much. Ought to have so much more time, you know. Yeah. Did you uh, Did you watch that documentary, The Defiant Ones? I did not. There's this, no. the one with like Dr. Dre and mm-hmm. Jimmy. He was like Petty was the the coolest dude. Yeah. Because like, I felt like that entire documentary was just about like, uh, you know, just the uh, the egos of Iveen and Dr. Dre building them up into these. Yeah. Right. And which is fine. But then like Petty just was like not playing that game. No. He was yeah. Just so matter of fact about stuff. And uh, it was just hilarious during that entire, I guess he's in there for probably like 15 minutes overall, yeah. but his, his interviews were just damn good in the, I have to check that one out. I've heard good things about it. Yeah. It's, it's really good. It's what we're doing. We have having me on as a guest on a podcast to, to talk about something that I haven't seen. That's, <laughs> Sounds right. It sounds. Uh, I'm just. Giving, it feels natural to me, yeah, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, uh, one of the things about y'all's band that the fan base is really taking hold of. Oh yeah. Ran with is the cannon. Yeah, yeah. It's a. It's funny. It's a funny thing. I I wasn't sure if that was. If that was going to be a, a, a flop or a a really neat thing. It's turned out to be something. Yeah, something very interesting and something that I can kind of go back on and and add, and add to and mm-hmm. you know all those characters are based in in real life in some manner or another. You yeah. don't want to write, you know, too close about someone's real life that 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 you know or that you're friends with because you don't want to put all that work into something that they they hate. You know, yeah. I mean, you want to 
portray them in a, in a nice light. So it's easier to use composite characters to do that. And, you know, and um, it sort of distances these characters from real people, but also, you know, alludes to them and alludes to characteristics or events or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. What I like, though, is like getting on Twitter every once in a while and you'll see some theory about somebody. Oh, Lord. Yeah. And it's so. Uh, yeah, it's good. I mean, that, that that's high compliment, right? Yeah. I think it's it's really kind of, it's, um, did you ever watch Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Yeah. We're like Charlie and he's got the board. <laughs> yeah. <and he's> got <laughs> like, that's yeah. what everyone sounds like. <laughs> Beautiful mind scenario. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, <laughs> like just, uh, but it, it's, it's really cool. I don't like, there's no one else who's you're able to do that with. Um, uh, yeah, in, I bet they will. I mean, anybody could do it. It's just, well, no, no, but I mean into. like, you're not, no one's doing this about anyone else's. Songs, oh yeah, sure. You know what I mean? Uh, I think it, it breeds a, <clears throat> a, uh, the fan base. There's like the, a lot more interaction in this mm -hmm. fan base than some. Yeah. Others. It gives them some other levels to, to sort of messing around with and yeah that's yeah. good that's always nice what what is you have you read any of this stuff have you looked at uh, and seen any yeah i try not change? to you know i try not to to <laughs> to look at any of it yeah. um but yeah it's just flattering to me uh that anybody gives a damn about it <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah well that, that brings us to the house fire though yeah it's like um i think that's a hell of a way to start the album i remember when rc sent me the record yeah i was in that my truck driving around I plugged it in. It was just like, here we are. Yeah, it, it was an interesting. You know, it was interesting to be able to put those characters uh, in a in a spot, you know, in a different place in time, mm -hmm. and see how they developed, and and um, you know, give them some responsibility, and and then you know, watch them sort of shine through through tragedy, right? Yeah. Well, that's the thing too. Is like, like you said, you you've been able to take these characters and. You don't. You just catch up with them here and mm -hmm. there, and that's maybe the the way it is. It's like maybe uh, Lori's matured just because she had some responsibility. Yeah, and maybe yeah. Few, in a few years, always helps everybody, right? Mm -hmm. That's a uh, an interesting thing because, like, I, I think like everyone thinks of Lori being this just uh, sort of hipster chick and like wild and crazy. Well, yeah, wild and crazy. But yeah. it's like, uh, how old was she then? You know, give her some some time and she's yeah. probably turning just like it. anyone else but like i imagine this like hipster chick moving back to like a, a town of a thousand people and like you know just going back to you know that sort of life again mm -hmm. um and and settling into you know adulthood yeah which is usually very boring unless there's a you know catastrophic event <laughs> Yeah, well, you kind of, I guess you want it to be boring in a lot of ways. <laughs> but uh, now in that song, you mentioned the Browning rifle. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is that what? Yeah, sure. That that's the, exactly the, what you the think. The same yeah, rifle that's from? Yeah, that's sort of alluding to okay. to the, the, the bird hunter character. Yeah. So is it is it the the narrator of the bird hunters, or is it uh Yeah, it's Dan? the narrator. Okay, okay. Yeah. just making yeah. sure we're yeah, confirming Yeah, you know, he'll notice, like, that the, that the bird hunter's narrator is the one carrying a Browning yeah, rifle, okay. and it's his grandpa's, you know, yeah. or it's Belgian-made one. I guess it's not his grandpa's in the in the song specifically, mm -hmm. but yeah, that's kind of about me, you know. I've got a got a few heirlooms like yeah. that. That's sweet. And you... too many, and too many bird dogs. Yeah, 
that's what you yeah. grab from the fire right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's always kind of this thing. Um, it's it's funny. My friend Marty White, well, let's say my friend, he was you know our neighbor and he's about my dad's age. Their house had burned a couple of times, um, like do lightning strikes. Really? And uh, yeah, they just built it up on this hill, and it you know I mean they just built a home, and it just kept on getting whacked. And so they, they after the second fire, they they moved it, but he was just kind of recalling one day i was probably only 18 or 19 uh and it was just very poignant to me like he wanted you know he came came back you know got everybody out and mm -hmm. then he goes back in and all he's able to do is just grab a couple of things that are next to the door and in that country you usually have a shotgun you know yeah. a loaded gun next to the door it's just common yeah for whether it be for coyotes or you know home protection or whatever it, it may be um but that's where it would be sitting and I've lived in a lot of houses where that my particular A5 was was there you know yeah. in that spot and uh and that's just what you get you know what you yeah. can grab and then everything but he he talked about how everything went so fast you know that saying goes like a house on fire um and and then you're just standing there and, and you you know like your underwear barefoot Mm -hmm. You know, and you're realizing that you don't have a toothbrush or, a, you know, you might have something out in your work truck or whatever, yeah. but you got to make do. And then you invariably wind up living at a, in a camper somewhere <laughs> for yeah. a while and regrouping, yeah. you know. I remember my, my aunt, she was moving one time and uh, they moved into this apartment and I, I don't know if it was, I don't know who did it, but like they had set down a box on top of the stove. And, you know, they go to get they go to get more stuff at their other place. And uh, somehow they had knocked on a burner or something like that. And so oh, wow. by the time they got back, like it didn't burn down the place, but yeah. it was like had smoked everything out. And yeah. Just, and sometimes that's almost as bad. Yeah. Right. It was that was just as bad as like yeah. just the, keep you keep some more stuff, but you can't. Yeah. The house is probably not livable yeah. anymore. Yeah. They obviously couldn't live there. And then all their stuff was just ashy and burnt up and but that was just a bad situation but uh, yeah i'd wanted to write that song i've been sitting on a lot of these ideas for years and you get kind of precious about them and mm -hmm. you kind of worry you know i worry personally that once you use these things up like you, you might not it you might not come up with another scenario that's so real and and visceral as as that mm -hmm. again so i get kind of guardia broody about them i guess and um, so it was, it was tough really just having to put my nose down and, and, and get them finished. Yeah. And I didn't want anybody touching them either. You know, I, I wanted to ride them myself just because I, I've been years messing with them and I, I want, you know, yeah. I want to do it right. And I don't, I want to do it my own way. Yeah. Do you ever think that like some of these ideas that, are you ever worried that you may get like time may take them and make them too dated or something like that? Or that you I don't, don't know. I don't, don't know. I think that like the same way all of my stuff, um, that I'm writing, especially in this sort of little universe, is is this sort of nostalgic, you know, pre-cell phone era of mm -hmm. of my life that always is going to, you know, it's always going to be classic. And, and I don't think that it's going to date itself. I think it's going to always feel a bit nostalgic if you write it within this sort of, yeah, you know, amb ambiguous era that I'm writing in. Yeah. I've never, I've not really thought about, like, when when this is all taking yeah. place you know but you know i mean but you notice what people have feel, and they don't yeah um they don't you know 
they don't really talk about technology in any manner. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Um, no Uber, no. No, no, they don't talk about, they don't talk about, you know, their phones exist, vehicles exist, it's post-1938 because Browning shotguns exist, and that's really all we know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the uh, Winding Stair, now that's like southeast Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, I, I don't know if that's Yeah, West okay. Arkansas um, in eastern Oklahoma have the Winding Stair Mountains, which are foothills of the ozarks yeah it, that's uh i'm trying to think like i don't know if that you y- y'all have done like a a a song that that driving that much of a force oh yeah in, in a song yeah in maybe a uh it's that one's that yeah, one's kind of came out great of, yeah you kind of remind me of uh before the devil knows you're dead yeah as far as yeah, just sure. like how it's a blazing trail yeah. you know that song right there though like we're is it, I'm, that just has to be another one of those ideas that you had? Uh, that one came on really quickly. About mm-hmm. you know, it started out kind of being these two, these two kind of outlaw type guys, and then you know, it's always the classic. You know, one guy's sort of this reformed, you know, ne'er do well character, and the other one never reformed, and and so they have a bit of a rift. Um, and it's a common theme in you know, movies and literature for, I mean, forever, right? Yeah. And then uh, I took into account just a, a setting and an area and a character, a buddy of mine, who got into some into some trouble, and uh, and I, I just wrote about the scenario, not really about him, but what happened, you know, and just yeah, just kind of made up this little story about them. Yeah, it, to me it feels like real Appalachian. Yeah, real Appalachian yeah, it's got a little claw hammer like, banjo in there yeah. too that gives it a bit of. Yeah. Of bluegrass, your old timey feel. Yeah. Well, just like just also like in the the way you're telling the story too. Sure. You're got to listen to it. You're not just. Yeah. Yeah, because it's one. You know, it's not. Um, it's not an omnipotent narrator. It's one guy, mm-hmm. and it, and he's really telling most of the story with dialogue. Yeah. Or or inner dialogue, you know. Yeah. Inner monologue, rather. Um, so yeah, it, it, it clips along pretty fast, yeah. and it's trying to sum up a lot pretty fast. And it was it was dicey. I was wondering if it would actually land. Yeah. Story wise, and I hope it does. I don't know. I haven't gotten a lot of. I mean, it's not out yet, so yeah. I don't know if anybody. That's what y'all y'all released like the fifteen second clip of that song. Oh yeah. At the very beginning, and then it never came out. Yeah. Um, well, okay. Let me ask you about that. What are, what are y'all's thoughts on? The way records are being released now, because like it's it works. It starts out as you know, like it seems odd or something. But um, I, you know, I wish it could just be wait. You know, build up, yeah, build up hype and then let it out there. But they really, they really, I mean, milk the hype out out of it. You know, like, <laughs> they really. For, sorry for bad, a bad analogy, but um, I mean, it's just like it's grueling, for, even for me, and I can't imagine like the anticipation. Yeah. If, if it was a record, you know, of one of my favorite bands, bands that I was really crazy about, and say, you know, and 21 years old and just eating up with it, yeah, like it would be, it it would kill me. <laughs> I think it's, I think, I think it's, it's a form a of, of torture. It is, you know. And I had, for, for the record, I had nothing to do with any of it. <laughs> no, I mean, it's kind of the the way records are all done mm-hmm. now, though. You know, it's, it's the like, standard, and it works. Mm-hmm. You know, it works, and uh, people are. You know, always just you know, saturated with content. That it's nice to to let them 
actually anticipate something. Yeah. Because it's a sort of, I want it now kind of culture these days. And, yeah. And so it's good to, to be able to do a little bit. We almost got it leaked and uh, got that shut down. So thanks to whoever for not, not really completely leaking it. Man, that's like a... I, what I'm, I guess, like with each, which, with each single that y'all release, the you, you guys get a bump in the pre-sale probably yeah, on iTunes. Probably that has to be like one of the reasons why uh, it's done this way. You know, mm-hmm. just, I'm sure there's somebody who had, has an algorithm out there who knows. Yeah, like, no, the, there there are some really skilled hands mm-hmm. uh, behind this whole release, and I'm happy to get to work with them. But I just wish it was, I wish it was done. Yeah, I want it to be out. You got like one more week. One more this. week, then that's the, that's the rough one, right? Yeah. You know, <laughs> this is when the. <laughs> you ever watch Jaws, and he's talking about uh, the wreck of the Indianapolis, and like this, like they're dealing with all the sharks eating all their buddies, and then, like when, the only time he was really scared was when like the helicopters were almost there to pick him up, and he realized that it, you know, yeah, something bad was going to happen in that that tiny window of time. Yeah. That's how I feel. I feel like Captain Quint. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh talk I, about a dated I, reference. That's I, pretty <laughs> How many how many people are going to get that one? Yeah. Well, I can't imagine releasing a record and having a wait. You know, yeah. cuz like the only thing I can even compare is like when I write an article and I can put sure. it out just right there sure. like send it to somebody and they can put it out within a couple hours. It's such a weird thing. Well, uh, you know, there was a time in my career and you know in our our level of success that you could just play new songs at bars you know if you got a hundred people in there you can play them a new song and they can they can get it you know yeah they can understand it and you just can't do that anymore like because people want to hear what they want to hear so it's not like a show seems like a bad place to play too much new material yeah you lose the crowd seems to lose energy and interest well how much uh are you able to do it like a song Two, Are you able to just get like one two, or two to three, maybe. You in, know, how about like in that time whenever you will play some acoustic stuff in there? Yeah, you can like, do that. That's the, about the best time to introduce a song because yeah. it gives it sort of a, a spotlight. Yeah. Um, and uh, I will do that on occasion. Yeah. Uh, if I've just written something and and I want to kind of test it out. So where do you test your songs out? J- with just the band, or do you just kind of like as like um, as far as the audience goes? You just see. Or, if it's too long-winded or if it's just something that they're going to lose interest in or you know if you can sing it once and you know that it has depth uh, and you can sing it once for a crowd and they they seem to respond then you can pretty well bet it's it's going to be okay you know mm-hmm. um and then you got to trust your gut and and i got enough guys around that'll tell me if i'm doing something that's stupid so. yeah well, you got a bunch of songwriting buddies yeah here. Yeah, so I'm no. I'm pretty well I'm pretty well set. I'm confident. Yeah. Y'all recorded this down in El Paso. Yeah, we outside did. Outside El Paso. Yeah, we did. It's in Tornillo, yeah. Texas. And then we did uh the the remainder of the record that we didn't get finished in uh Asheville, North Carolina. And yeah, we kind of came in with very little. I wrote a lot of this stuff in the recording process and the and we recorded Eight hours. I mean, we do a song every day, mm-hmm. so we'd play it all all day long, every day. And then my three or four hours that I wasn't in the studio, I was like chugging Red Bulls and and holing up somewhere and and trying to scribble something out that was worth a damn. Yeah. And and we cut a lot of songs from this record that we you know had considered putting on there. Just didn't 
didn't go with the kind of narrative that we wanted or didn't fit in the sort of same scene. Because mm-hmm. it all feels, it feels like it has continuity to yeah. me. And this is the first time that a record of ours has felt that way. Yeah. You know? There's a, <clears throat> a couple songs that really remind me of like old school 70s country stuff. Yeah, cool. Like, uh, like something to hold on to. Mm-hmm. And like even like Oklahoma Stars, they all kind of have Oh, that. Kevin Russell and I wrote that song. So, I, yeah. Okay. And so I guess I only wrote three or four of them by myself. But I had a lot of yeah, a lot of co-writes. Yeah, that there's like to me it feels very uh, like a record that you would just put on on vinyl. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like that you just have at your house and you just threw it on. Yeah, and, and it was whatever. Record yeah, that's the you idea. You know, of. right? That yeah. that it's a real record. Like if it's like throwing on, you know, Moon Dance. Not to say it's as good as that, but it's but it's it feels like a record mm-hmm. in the way, in the same way that uh, yeah, like one of those types of records would or like I always go back to Riding High Jerry Jeff you know that's my that's my favorite like if if I get one record I'm I'm going with that one yeah because it feels and it and it feels like a record and that's all a lot of other people's songs they just all kind of yeah fit together you know uh I think like Jerry Jeff's really interesting just because uh one I I yeah he did a whole lot of other people's songs and I think there's something about like Maybe being, uh, I don't necessarily know if I would say humble, but it's like the the lack of an, a big ego as mm-hmm. being the songwriter, um, and a big he's a big character too, and he's this yeah. wild entertainer and, and a great writer in his own mm-hmm. in his own right, and uh, and then he looks at these guys and says, "Hey man, I want to do you know," and he's yeah. as big as Willie Nelson at this point in time, yeah, and he so he wants to take all his songwriting buddies with him, you know, anybody yeah. that's good that's got something that will fit. Uh, within the narrative of the record he's he's doing it yeah that's I, I guess like maybe like a little bit of a uh the le- not lack of an ego but like sure just being where he's not the end-all be-all you yeah. know he's, and then also that he had that weird uh not necessarily weird but he started doing like the, the more jazz no like yeah stuff yeah at one point that's something that's uh i always find it interesting to see these guys who started out in the 60s or 70s mm-hmm. and how they uh try to keep it fresh for them and try mm-hmm. to stay relevant. Yeah, they I mean they evolved. All those guys did with long careers. They did different things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an evolution. You're supposed to do that, right? Yeah. Isn't that the point? Yeah. You don't want to be playing Unless you're my band, then we should just stay the same. <laughs> just get comfortable. <laughs> just stay right where you are. <laughs> no, I think it happens without you knowing. It's just a slower process, right? Yeah. I th- it, that's what it is. Yeah, I think like in you're not supposed to notice it. Fifteen yeah. years, yeah. you would see. I'll probably be playing jazz. <laughs> be playing all the wrong notes. Jazz records. <laughs> so would, would uh, like Riding High be like a record that, hypothetically, if you were just gonna record a record, any record oh, yeah. out there, first one, first one on the list, record all the way through. Yep. You would. That's the record. That'd be it. Yeah, the, that'd be the first one. And those guys that played in that band were just killers too. You know, mm-hmm. it was. It was great. It was what, great. What What is the the magic for that record for you? Like, I just think that? you know that was a real band. That was Livingston and and uh, um, Gary P. Nunn, yeah. fellow Oklahoman, <clears throat> and uh, I can't remember the whole Los Gonzo band, but they were just a, a, a load of uh, really talented fellas. Yeah, Livingston. He's from here. Yeah, and uh, Nunn when he moved over, like they moved here when he was young mm-hmm. 
uh, or like teenage age, he played in this band called The Sparkles. Oh, yeah? And it's like this psych rock band <laughs> who put out a few different uh, singles, single worth of, uh, there's probably like three or four singles. I think those guys were like, the ba- backing band for Michael Martin Murphy yeah. at one point in time, and then Jerry Jeff went on and opened for him, and then he they would, they would be his backing band as well. Yeah. And eventually, I think Michael Martin Murphy went a, a different direction musically, and, and those guys... Uh, yeah, just well, kind of wound up sticking together and, and yeah. for a lot of years. Michael Martin Murphy started getting more into the the cowboy poetry mm-hmm. aspect stuff, you know, which is an entirely different kind of. Yeah, when that world. stuff's good, it's really really good. I was talking to Corb Lund. Uh, he and I went on a adventure up in Idaho and went and packed in on mules and chased elk around. And anyway, uh, he was talking about the cowboy poetry stuff because he's you know way way deep into yeah. that that scene and his his thing was that, you know when it's good it'll blow your mind but when it's not it's not good you know? <laughs> <laughs> well i was wondering like if that's the like that's the the group of people who are uh maybe like more pretentious than other groups i don't know just because i don't like, know i don't know the scene i can't yeah, comment yeah i i, I know that yeah, it's a lot of cool people who are skilled in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like they they all follow Ramblin' Jack Elliott. Yeah, you know that's the uh, he's playing here actually. Like really? Ne- next door in a couple, uh, like next month or something like that. Yeah, he's on the um, Corbel's just on tour with Ian Tyson, who's exceptionally good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> the. Uh, did you, did you watch that Ramblin' Jack Elliott documentary? I did not. No. No. <laughs> let's talk about it. <laughs> it's a, it's, can you give me a synopsis? <laughs> yeah, well, well, we'll skip that one. You need to watch it, though. It's a, I will. I will. I need a rainy day to watch all these documentaries. <laughs> but, uh, so, like, what was what was different in the, when you all went in the studio this time? Like, what, what were you guys trying to do this time that was maybe uh you guys try to expand on as far as sound wise we touched on um we touched on actually being able to uh to sort of have things feel like a live a live experience so that the songs feel alive you know it's not just stale calculated you know um cut and you know snap to a grid thing yeah that um a lot of records are, you know, that's kind of the industry standard. And you can make a great sounding record doing that, but I just, I don't like it. It doesn't sound like the Stones or like the, you know, or like these records we're talking about. Like yeah. they, they breathe, they move, you know, the tempos move it's a bit not, and things, things happen. organic, yeah. a little bit more earthy. Yeah. Something with some, you know, like I say, some life to it. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to, you know, obviously pursue that. And, uh, and we did last record. We really tried to do it to the best of our abilities and, and Ryan's just Ryan Hewitt is just he's great at it and it takes a lot of work and it, and I mean I'm not saying we did everything you know 100% it wasn't just us playing in a room like there when we did overdubs and yeah and, and overdubs on top you know and uh but I mean it was it was fairly organic about as uh, about as organic as you can get in sort of the day and age we live in now yeah yeah, you mentioned uh, 
I guess, like cutting songs off this record. Yeah. Is that like the first time y'all had done this, like or done that? Like, no, as far yeah, as, like, you know, know, like we didn't we didn't record them. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, we they got cut before they before they hit the you know hit hit tape. Yeah. See, that's a real bootleg right there. Uh huh. Yeah. Y'all recorded stuff. Oh yeah. That stuff yeah, you know that's neat. And I thought about going back in and doing another studio day and doing some acoustic versions of this stuff. And we just got busy and didn't yeah. do it. You know. Yeah. How and I don't know how much that helps or doesn't help. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if people are going to be that jazzed about that or not. Yeah. I guess I would be, but it might be their favorite version of it, huh? Yeah. Well, well that's the. Uh, I think like that's what makes Dylan relevant still is like mm-hmm. he's had 16 bootlegs of this oh, yeah. old material and uh, I don't know if people would have bought them then when he was doing them but way down the road how long uh, in the studio were y'all oh, there for it felt like <laughs> the majority of my life but uh, <laughs> I think right around 40 days which is a long time shoot yeah we got it yeah, these people um, don't want to listen to a sound check <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to listen to Soundcheck. The guys out there Soundcheck and don't want to listen to Soundcheck. Yeah. Is Soundcheck like the the boring part of other than like just Yeah, playing. it's great. It's a great time to work up songs and when you have new gear, it's nice to check it all out. But once everything's set, mm-hmm. it's uh it's an exercise in futility. Yeah. To me. But <laughs> a lot of people would probably argue vehemently that vehemently yeah. that I'm lazy <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I've never obviously never done any yeah. of it so it just to me like anytime I've ever been where somebody's sound checking it just feels like uh, I don't know just a I don't know just a bunch of noodles. noodling around yeah yeah. that's, what, that's like, what you're hearing noodling I, what I don't um, what I what I would say would probably be the worst is like whenever because obviously he, they, he goes around kind of you know that mm-hmm. thing and when this dude's trying to do something oh yeah and then no, the, that's some a, other dude is like over here mm-hmm. like yeah it's a circus it's a circus up there those guys aren't you get a bunch of you know hung over 30 somethings or 20 you know 20 yeah. somethings on the stage who want to be musicians you know and playing honky tonks and stuff like they don't pay attention to a lot of them. like they're not they're not exactly like marines you know <laughs> like they're they're kind of just goobering around out there yeah so you have a lot of confusion and a lot of just playing over each other but yeah but not really i mean once you get once you get over that hump and start paying attention then it's it's okay i mean yeah it's necessary in some places when yeah. it is it's fine to do it it's just not necessary today yeah well, like, what a, you guys are playing on these big shows now mm-hmm. where it feels like it's so much of a well-oiled machine, mm-hmm. driving in, playing, driving out. Yeah. Uh, do you miss playing, like, these, like, small, like, do I you do, miss but playing I think that like that's a, just that, you know? I, I, I know that we can't really play them anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know what? Here's another thing. Like, I get to go play the U.K., and it's like starting all over again, yeah. you know? And, or I get to go, you know, play the... Most places in the U.S. were doing pretty good now, but there are a lot of places in the southeast that were playing, you know, blue light-sized venues. Yeah. Uh, and, all, well, all over, like, California and stuff, too. So you get you get enough of it to keep you going. Yeah. I mean, it's not, not everything's just like a stadium show, you know? Yeah. But it, it feels like y'all have really uh, invested the time outside of the Oklahoma, Texas mm-hmm. 
scene. Yeah, we never. To we make just wanted to be able to a, play all over the U.S. Yeah. or all over the world if we want, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I, we never really got too hung up on. Yeah. Because you, you'll run into this thing where, as soon as the band starts to make a little bit of money, or you know has some success in an area, they don't want to leave. Yeah. Because it works. Yeah. You know, and all you're doing is kind of crippling yourself because just because you got that one place going doesn't mean every place should be like that. You're just mm-hmm. going to have to keep plugging away. Yeah. And eventually things will start working your way, but it's it it takes years and years and it's still a roller coaster, you know? Yeah. That's I'm 10, 11 years in this band and I still get some curveballs that I did not expect, you know? Yeah. Cuz I always think that like as good of the of an incubator Texas Oklahoma Oh, sure. is It's a great one. It's uh there's so many bands who end up just getting uh stagnant in it mm-hmm. and never really going out and then you know they're uh i guess like they they just plateau in a way or like yeah they, they can you know and a lot of bands just do they do really well mm-hmm. and make a, a really great living and are just sometimes not as well received in other places and yeah and just see it as you know an exercise in futility yeah um or they, you know, or they try it forever and you just don't hear about it, yeah. too, you know? Well, I mean, like, I, I think, like, y'all have, if I was, like, doing a band or something like that, mm-hmm. that's, I feel like y'all's, uh, y'all getting out into California mm-hmm. and really, like, getting into, like, American Aquarium really plays. Yeah, they play all, all over the U.S. You know, and that's, uh, I think that's what you have to kind of do. You have to, to you have to, uh at least attempt to go out in these places multiple times yeah. you can't just go the first time and say well everyone we, all these shows sucked yeah um, but yeah and you get that you get kicked in the gut every once in a while um but part of it yeah kind of the tone of the record right <laughs> <laughs> kicked in the gut <laughs> suck it up yeah well, you want to play a song? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. All right. One, two, ready, go. Hear the clicking of the domino. You're shaking up the game. And if we lose a hand, I bet I'll know just who's playing. But if we hit 21, if we make that sit here in my chair just feeling too feet tall and we're caught up in the riffraff circling around the sun takes a whole lot of blood and tears just to really love someone but when it comes back around that's heaven on earth you never know to the end my friend what you love is really Are you cracking jokes with the common folks? Are you serving to the world to do? Well, I've traveled around and I ain't found nobody quite like you. Is all this living meant to be or a happy accident? Well, in my heart you pay no rent. Well, in my heart you pay no rent. Hear the crackle of a campfire. 
Time together was time well spent. 